Charles Spurgeon once said, the mind can descend far lower than the body, for in it there are bottomless pits. The flesh can bear only a certain number of wounds and no more, but the soul can bleed in 10,000 ways and die over and over again each hour. Mental illness is not a new phenomenon. And the same biblical truths that have encouraged Christians for centuries can encourage those who suffer with mental illness today. Mental disorder is defined as a wide range of conditions that affect mood, thinking, and behavior. Most common types of mental disorder are anxiety disorder, clinical depression, and bipolar disorder. So how should we as Christians encourage someone with mental illness? Though we may continue to struggle daily in the bottomless pit of our mind, as Christians, we can encourage someone with mental illness by letting them know that you are not alone, it's not your fault, God sees you and is with you, and God's word speaks to you. If you or anyone needs help, contact walkfanusa.org. That's W-O-C-F-A-N-U-S-A dot org. Because you don't have to suffer in silence anymore. Amen. Praise God. Good morning, everyone. And welcome to this incredible signature service. Amen. And for those of you that's watching us online, I want to welcome you. I thank God for you. I believe that something that God is going to say today is going to not only bless you, but bring you total, complete healing and deliverance in Jesus' name. As always, the vision statement here is that we are building strong families and serving global communities. So I'm just going to dive straight in the message this morning because there's a lot to say. And there's only very little time to say it. Amen. Praise God. I have some very special friends in the service with me this morning. Uh, at the right time, I will uh, introduce them. Uh, it goes back over 40 years. But glory to God. I thank God for all of them. Amen. All right. Are you ready this morning? Yes, sir. So today, we begin, we begin a brand new series. Coming out of darkness into God's light. And the first installment this morning is going to be dealing with the overview of mental health disorders. Now, when I said mental health, I can hear the deep breath. <sighs> what does that mean in charge, mental health? Are we all insane? No. This has been a big elephant in all of our rooms, in all of our homes that we have needed to address a long time ago. And just for me, let me just tell you how and why now. For me, this has been a reluctant personal journey. I said that because in November 2019, my cousin's wife, Kenny, was tragically taken from us. 
And from that moment till now, personally, I've been haunted with questions how, why, when, what. I mean, we spent time in prayer, we've had meetings, we've, I mean, uh, with Smolola, all of you know him, uh, and my brother Kunle Akimola, Yetunde Akimola, we come together over and over and over, up till now, asking many questions. Trying to get clarity, understanding what happened, why did it happen? Now, to the glory of God, we've gotten some answers, but we are not all the way there. The story is yet unfolding, and I thank God for how it's given particularly small and his children, the strength, the fortitude, and the comfort. Amen? So for me, because of that incident, I began to ask questions. I wanted to know more. And uh, more recently now, there's been so much more about this whole concept on the news that all of us are familiar with. So let me just go to the scripture. So let me go first of all to uh, Job chapter 33. In the NIV from verse 28, thank you very much. Out of darkness into God's light. And again, the first installment addressing the overview on mental illness. Here we go. He redeemed my soul from going down into the pit. And I will live to enjoy the light. Verse 29. God does all these things to a man twice, even three times, to turn back his soul from the pit that the light of life may shine on him. And I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning. If you've been that pit, that darkness, that dark place where you think no one cares, where you think God is absent, where you think this is the end, I want you to know from what we just read. Twice or even three times, the Bible says God will turn back his soul from the pit. He will turn back your soul from the pit that the light of life may yet shine again. That is a promise that you can take to the bank. As you just heard in the walk-on video we just saw, Charles Perdian, the great last century preacher said, the mind can descend far lower than the body. For in it, there are bottomless pits. The flesh can bear only a certain number of wounds and no more. But the soul can bleed in 10,000 ways and die over and over again each hour. What a distinction. When a person is physically sick or wounded, Many times you can see the sickness, you understand it. But when it's a soulish, when it's something that affects your mind or your soul, what Charles is telling us is it can descend into a bottomless pit and can bleed in 10,000 ways and die over and over again each hour. Now that is tough. Give me Psalms 88, verse 6. In the Amplified, thank you. Look at what the scripture says. 
You have laid me in the depths of the lowest pit. In darkness, in the deeps. That's where we got that title from. Out of darkness into God's light. Verse 18. No, verse 16. Verse 16. Psalms 88, verse 16. Thank you. Nope, nope. I think it's verse 18. I got that wrong. Yeah, verse 18. 18. 88, 18. Wow. Psalm 88, verse 18. Thank you. No? Now. <laughs> I thought my eyes are doing tricks on me. Lover and friend have you put far from me. My familiar friends are darkness and the grave. Now, the, the reason I read this scripture, I want, I want you to understand what we're dealing with when we talk about mental illness. Most people and most things I have read have described this entire phenomenon as like being in a bottomless dark place or dark pit. And as you find out as we go along in this series, those who are struggling with this illness or disorder many times do not quickly recognize what is happening to them. So they are in darkness as to exactly what's happening. They feel like in, they're in a pit. Amen? And then what makes it doubly difficult is that the families, the friends, and those surrounding them According to this verse 18, they are also in darkness. Darkness in how? Darkness in that they don't recognize what's happening to their friend, to their family, to their loved one. The loved one is going through it. They're in a dark place. But those that are around them, their loved ones or their friends and their families are interacting with them on a daily basis, totally oblivious to the darkness that's happening right in front of them. Because if we knew, then perhaps we can have more quicker intervention sometimes. But because a person is struggling, and those around them also don't understand that they are struggling, you have double darkness. So let's dive into the message. Let me begin to define for us what mental illness means. Mental disorder, also called mental illness, and you can give me the slide, thank you. It's a wide range of conditions that affect mood, thinking, and behavior. Amen? Now, it manifests itself in many different ways. Number one, anxiety disorder. What is that? This is a mental health disorder characterized by feelings of worry, anxiety, or fear that are strong enough to interfere with one's daily activities. To qualify as an anxiety, anxiety disorder, an individual must have experienced symptoms to a significant degree for six months or more. Amen? Now, 
What are the symptoms of this anxiety disorder? Number one, constant worry. I mean, from the moment you wake up in the morning till the time you go to bed at night, if you go to bed, you are constantly worrying about something or the other. The tap is not closed properly. The light is too bright. It's not bright enough. The carpet is not fine. I mean, all kinds of things. You worry, 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 worry. Number two, nervousness. Nervousness. Number three, fear that is disproportionate to the situation. Number four, negative and distorted thinking. Now, as you go through, as we go through the symptoms, if you are me, like what happened to me as I was doing the research and studying about this, as I was going through the symptoms, I'm saying to my check, 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 check. I begin to, I, no, seriously, on a serious note, I began, I began to find myself in this notes. Okay, you guys are looking at me funny. If we are going to address this, this issue, we need to come to a place of total, complete, brutal honesty about what's going on in our minds. Have you ever been given to constant worry? Like your child is not going to go do well in school, they're going to come home one day and say he's arrested for drugs. Has that happened to you? Nervousness? Fear that is disproportionate to the situation? Negative and distorted thinking? Number five, heart palpitations. Number six, tension. There are some of us, when you enter a room, tension has just arrived. Everybody's taking cover because you just brought tension into the room. We see it on your face. You don't have to open your mouth. We just see you. We see tension. Number seven, excessive sweating. Now, I don't have that one. Thank God. <laughs> Praise God. Number eight, trouble concentrating. Mind just flying all over the place. And number nine, irritability. The slightest little thing irritates us. I mean, like a, you're like a, uh, what is a fuse box. I mean, you're just ready to, boom! The last little, your child comes in, mommy, can I have a drink of milk? Oh, what do you want milk for? What's wrong with you? When I was your age, I never saw milk for 20 years. <laughs> yes, you can irritate over the slightest little thing. Folks, it's not normal. If you find yourself in enough, enough uh, listen, like I told you, I found myself in many of these things. And sometimes I'm, Jesus, I need to come out of darkness. Amen. <laughs> I need the light of God's word to bring me out of this darkness, okay? So now the second common disorder associated with mental health is the clinical depression. That's a mental health disorder characterized by persistently depressed mood or loss of interest in activities causing significant impairment in daily life. Symptoms must persist for more than two weeks before, you can, before they can say you are clinically depressed. Amen? Now, what are the symptoms of this? Number one, feeling sad. Number two, negative thinking patterns. Number three, Loss of self-esteem. Number four, impaired concentration. Number five, lack of motivation. Number six, 
loss of appetite or increased appetite. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Praise God. Uh, number seven is insomnia or increased need for sleep. I mean, you just sleep all day long. And for some of us, it's the opposite. We go days, we can't get any sleep. It doesn't matter what you drink, what you take. Ambien, whatever it is, you just do Nesta, you, you swallow the thing, your eyes are just wide open. Okay? Low energy and fatigue. And then, of course, number nine, becoming easily overwhelmed. A third disorder is bipolar disorder. This is a disorder that's associated with episodes of mood swings ranging from depressive lows to manic highs. Now, this one, I was very shocked in my study of this. It's unbelievable. And we're going to dive into this much more later in our teaching. Amen? Okay. There are five main warnings. Five main warnings. Warning signs of mental illness. Five of them. Number one, excessive paranoia, worry, or anxiety. I mean, you're just paranoid. You can see a demon over, under every rock. Anytime anybody says something to you, you suspect what's the motivation, where are they coming from, what are they, what are they trying to accomplish, what do they want from you? You're just paranoid. Number two, long-lasting sadness or irritability. Number three, extreme changes in moods. Number four, social withdrawal. And lastly, dramatic changes in eating or sleeping patterns. And just by the way, just so you know, you can go on the website, walkfineusa.org, and we have some resources available for you even right now, today. If you need any help, if you are struggling with anything, we have resources of those who can help you. And then besides that, on the, work, on the web website, walkfineusa.org, we also have a questionnaire. I don't know how many questions are on there now that you can actually see and evaluate yourself and find out where you score on any of those questions that will help you determine Perhaps you need intervention. And by the way, I am not a licensed counselor. Okay, let me say that again. I am not a licensed therapist. So whatever we go, wherever this message leads us, the resources we have on the website are best resources to help you address what you're feeling, what you're thinking, what you are going through. Are you hearing me? That's important that I give that disclaimer. Amen? Yes, I'm bringing a message to you, and we have tools provided for you so that you can get the help you need. And don't delay, don't deter, deal with it now. Amen? Good. Now, we've gotten the definitions, definitions out of the way. Let me now 
go on and focus on the four encouraging truths for Christians with mental illness. Four things that I want you to take away from this message. Though we may continue to struggle daily in the bottomless pit of our mind, we can cling to four encouragements, encouragements today. Number one, you need to know that you are not alone. You are not alone. The enemy will want to do nothing else but to make you think that what you're feeling, what you're dealing with is unique to you and you alone so he can isolate you and eliminate you. You are not alone. The Bible has a catalog of men and women, Bible characters that you and I admire, we've read about, we've been encouraged by, and yet they went through what we call mental health disorder. Now, just to make sure you understand this, the phrase mental health was never mentioned in the scriptures. Not specifically. Okay? So you now go to your concordance and find mental health. But you will find all kinds of manifestations and symptoms of mental health. So number one thing you need to know this morning is you are not alone. Uh, we have so many contemporary people who are now coming out and talking about their experience and what they are going through. You remember the uh, uh, sit-down interview with Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, where she basically told us that she was going through such a hard time while she was in, the, uh, in, uh, in England, and that she needed mental help, and they told her it was not available, and she contemplated suicide. Meghan Markle. Now, if you saw her walk through this door now, would you think she's, she's, she's a candidate for that? Of course not. Because this thing does not write itself on your head, on your forehead. Hey, I'm about to go and kill myself. No, it's not like that. Prince Harry, since that, since then, has also come forward. That he's dealing with mental health issues. These are human beings that we know, highly successful in their areas of uh, endeavor, and yet they are struggling in these areas. Thank God that they came out of the closet. As many of us also need to come out. Why? To encourage one another and to help us know that this is not a unique situation that is just uniquely affecting you alone. I don't know if you guys remember this man that used to be featured on CNN, Anthony Boudin. World famous Anthony Boudin. He had a culinary TV show on CNN, highly, highly featured, highly, highly successful, tasting all the foods of all the world, all over the place. I remember the, uh, one of the two episodes I remember very clearly is the one he did in Vietnam with President, then, then President Barack Obama. Very powerful. And then he did one in your beloved country, <laughs> Lagos, Nigeria, eating jollof fries and all that stuff at the Saleco. I mean, that was, that was powerful. This guy was apparently extremely successful in what he did. But he had a situation where someone he cared for and loved very dearly was alleged to be seeing someone else. 
And his friend said they had dinner one night, the night before, and the next morning, they found him, he hung, hung himself. So you wonder, how can that happen? How can a person who on the world stage was doing extremely well, and the next moment, they intentionally, deliberately took their own lives? That's the darkness. That's the bottomless pit that we're talking about. You're not alone. How about Robin Williams? The famed comedian. This guy, his job was to make all of us laugh. And he did it so well, Hollywood rewarded him, paid him big time money. Big time money. While he's making you and I laugh, he was sad within himself. And those around him could not discern it. You're not alone. More recently, we see the situation with uh, Naomi Osaka, who was just fined at the, uh, the French uh, Open because she would not do a, uh, a, a media appearance. I think I have a quote by her. Yes, give me that quote, Naomi Osaka. She was fined because she would not do a press, press, uh, press interview. But they did not know what she was struggling with until she came out and said, the truth is that I have suffered long bouts of depression since the U.S. opened in 2018. And I've had a really hard time coping with that. Unbelievable. Anyone that knows me knows that I'm introverted. And anyone that has seen me at the tournaments will notice that I'm oftentimes wearing headphones as that helps dull my social, my social anxiety. I'm not a natural public speaker and get huge waves of anxiety before I speak to the world's media. Wimbledon is going on now. She dropped out because she's still trying to cope. You are not alone. The National Institute of Mental Health tells us that one in five American adults lives with mental illness. Think about that. You can count how many people are in this room, how many of you are watching from home, one out of every five is struggling with something, one thing or the other. The World Health Organization says that one in four people worldwide are experiencing mental health issues. I can tell you that even in this congregation, you are not the only one. Amen? So speaking openly about mental health issues, we allow others to share their struggles and will enable all of us to care more for one another. And in that note, let me just tell you that more than likely, end of July or first week in August, we're going to have a kingdom conversation with one among us that many of you know, recognize, credible, highly successful, that have had to deal with this, and they now said, Pastor, I want to come out. I want to come out. It's coming. 
It's coming. Last Sunday in July or the first Sunday in August. So number one, you are not alone. You're not alone. Number two, and this is just as important, it's not your fault. There is nothing else that the enemy will want you to believe than the fact that if you are struggling, it's because you have done something to deserve it. Now, to be sure, all sickness of any kind is a result of the fall. You must understand that. Sickness entered into the world when Adam fell. That is a fact. So in, to some degree, all sickness, all disease, all illness are as a result of the fall. But what I'm speaking about specifically right now is if anyone is struggling in any way with any mental disorder, don't buy the lie from the enemy to say it's your fault. I'll take you to the scriptures. In Genesis chapter 37, Genesis chapter 37, praise God. Let me see what verse. Genesis chapter 37, verse 23 and 24. Oh, thank you, you got it. So it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that he stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was on him. Then they took him and cast him into a pit. And the pit was empty. There was no water in it. So here we see Joseph was cast into the pit. Bottom, bottomless pit. He was cast in there. Now what did he do to deserve that? What did Joseph do to deserve being thrown into the pit? Genesis chapter 40 verse 15. Let's, let's, let's see what the Bible says about that. Genesis 40 verse 15. Here we go. For indeed I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews. And also I have done nothing. I have done nothing here that they should put me into the dungeon. So Joseph is giving us a commentary about his plight. He's helping you and I to understand, listen, I'm in this situation not because of something I did. So I'm saying to you right now, if you're struggling in any way with any of these disorders, don't buy the lie from the enemy that is because you did something wrong. That's a lie. He wants you to buy that so you can feel condemned, bear the brunt of the guilt, and feel more ashamed, and ultimately push you to the brink. Jesus gave us more clarity on this in John chapter 3, John chapter 9. John chapter 9, verse 3. Let me go there quickly. Thank you. So they were asking him, they were asking Jesus about the man that was born blind. Actually, give me verse 2. Let's, let's give it context. Here are the disciples. Like many untrained Christians who carelessly open their mouth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind. And to those of us of the African descent, can I just talk to you for a second? Nobody will answer me here. 
Are, are, are there anybody, any people here from African descent? Yes, sir. I, I said, can I talk to you guys for one quick second? Yes, sir. When something happens to someone, maybe mental disorder or any other disorder, mm. Africans specialize. They specialize in finding your grandfather, your mother, your witch, a wizard, somewhere in your village that's doing something to you. And we are asking the question, like, like this guy asked Jesus, who, who did it? Is it your father or your mother? Is it your grandfather? Is it your, 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 your concubine? Is it this? All kinds of crazy questions. In the meanwhile, the culprit, the real causation, we totally ignore. We are chasing shadows. That's what these guys were doing. Who sinned, Jesus? Is it this man? Or is it his parents? Let me just say this categorically right now. As a born again believer, blood bought, blood washed by the power of the Holy Spirit, there is no demon, devil, nowhere. None that can challenge what you carry. Let's get that settled. You cannot find out from me in the new covenant any, not even one shred of scripture where a born again believer was attacked by, the, by, by a demon spirit or mental disorder. You can't find it. Because if that was the case, we'd all be in trouble. We would all be in trouble. It'd be all over. I don't know how much time I have. A friend of mine, you guys, you guys, you guys will know him if I mention his name. True story. My wife, my wife can, can confirm this story. George Adegboye. It's a preacher now. He became converted because as an unbeliever, he specialized in attacking people with evil spirits. Remember the story? He said he would just, he would ride a public bus just so he can find people to attack. He sent him a curse. And instantly he would say, hey, my head, hey, my foot, hey. And he delighted in doing that. All over the place. Until one day, he sent the thing out. And the thing came back to him and said, ah, what is this? He said, this is not possible. He sent it again, the thing came back to him and said, ah. And then he went back, he went to the guy that gave him the stuff. He said, man, this thing has worked all this while, but this one guy even works. He said, ah, I didn't tell you, there's a limitation. True story. The guy told him the limitation was the blood of Jesus. That was when George made up his mind. He said, you know what? I don't want something that works some of the time. I want something that works all of the time. Hallelujah! Costless shall it cost come. It's not possible. That's what the Bible says. So these guys were asking, who sinned? His parents, Jesus answered in verse 3, Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Amen? So number one, you are not alone. Number two, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. And God is going to walk something in your life to bring you out of that darkness into his light. Number three, God sees you and is with you. 
God sees you. He knows exactly where you are. He knows the situation that you're in. Give me Psalm 34 verse 18. Psalm 34 verse 18. He sees you and he's with you. More than you even know. Look at, verse, look at this verse. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. It's, close, it's closer to you than you ever imagined. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, give this to me in the Amplified Classic, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 through 11. Thank you very much. You got it. Thank you. This is Paul's experience. That great apostle, Paul, he went through everything people are going through now. For we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about the affliction and oppressing distress which befell us in the province of Asia, that is modern-day Turkey, how we were so utterly and unbearably weighed down and crushed that we even despaired of even life itself. Verse 9. Indeed, we felt within ourselves that we had received the very sentence of death. But that, yes, but that was to keep us from trusting in and depending on ourselves instead of on God who raises the dead. Verse 10. For it is he, God, who rescued and saved us. You see that? From such a perilous death and he will still rescue and save us in and on him we have set our hope our joyful and confident expectation that he will again deliver us from the danger and destruction and draw us to himself while you also cooperate by your prayers for us helping and laboring together with us thus the lips of many persons turn toward God will eventually give thanks on our behalf for the grace, the blessing of deliverance granted us at the request of the many who have prayed. So, so simply Paul gave us his experience. He went through it, but through the prayers of the people around him, God brought him through and delivered him from it. And that same God that did that for Paul is one that's doing for us now in Jesus' name. So the Holy Spirit continues to inter intercede for you and I. Romans 8, 27. And he cries out for us in these moments when we can't form the words by the groanings that he gives us in those painful moments. Amen? God lights up the darkest corners of our heart and mind and he pulls us out of the deepest pits. Let me just read one scripture. Job 33, I think I read that. Uh, no, that's all right. That's, that's all. So three things. Number one, you're not alone. Number two, it's not your fault. Number three, it sees you and it's with you. And lastly, number four, God's word speaks to you. God's word speaks to you. In Proverbs 12, 25, the Bible is not afraid to talk about mental health and emotional anguish. All you have to do is look at the book of Job, look at the book of Psalms, it's all through there. Proverbs 12, 25, Look at this. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. Here we have it. Kamado 
Now look at that phrase. But a good word makes it glad. This is what you and I need. A what? Good word. Not just any word. Now, that's important. You cannot just go and talk to people who's going to tell you more things that's going to make you worse than where you are. What makes the word good is that the word lines up with God's word. Not just what I want to hear, but a good word. And I can tell you in what I said to you at the beginning with Kenny and Small and Kunle and the rest of us, the encouraging thing throughout this process is how God has come from time to time to time to time to give a definitive word. Man, listen, listen to me. And I understand this. Because for small, it had to be very devastating. And for many of us that were around, it's, it's still very, very, I mean, till today, we've not been able to, to replace Kenny at the church. The role she played. She was on staff at this church. And two years nearly, we have not been able to replace her. Tell me about it. But God, at different times, we bring a word. Because if, if anybody knows anything about small, it, 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 it can easily be a prosecutor. Questions. How, what, why, when, how, what, what. The questions will come today. We think, okay, we resolve these questions now. Tomorrow will come again. How, when, what, why. I mean, over and over and over. But at the right time, when we just feel up, we have nothing else to say, God will give a word. And that one word will like clear the waves of the doubt and the waves of all the distress for a moment. Ah, I don't know if I have time to go. Let, let me go to Isaiah chapter 60. This one scripture is shared with me in one of those moments. Isaiah chapter 60 verse 20. No, verse, verse 22. Isaiah 60 verse 22. This is at a time when we are just asking God his timeline. When will this happen? When will that happen? When, 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 when? And I went to Small's house that one day because by now I was totally vested in the when questions. Even me, I wanted to know when, 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 how, what, what. I went, I went to his house. And so now I became the prosecutor asking him those questions. When, how, when, when? And he said to me, he said, Pastor, God gave me a word last night. And he brought that scripture. Man. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 22. A little one shall become a thousand. And a small one, a strong nation. I, the Lord, will hasten it in this time. God. When he spoke those words to me, everything, every anxiety and doubt and fear regarding the matter just dissipated. But not just me. The beauty of it is to now see how that word is working in him. How that word is working in him. Because now, small, don't ask me how, when, what, any longer. God has settled that. God has confirmed it to him that he, God, is at work and will do it in his time. And once he heard that, he didn't hear from me, God spoke it to him. Settled it. 
And so my word to you this morning is that God's word will lift you out of the situation that you are in. God's word will be the deliverance. The promises of his word is what we all need. I remember as I close now, August of 2010, the whole world riveted as we watched the news of the Chilean miners trapped over 2,000 feet under the surface. Miners. Anybody here remember that story? August of 2010. These guys were trapped. And so the world was working, was working feverishly on how are we going to get them out? I think there were 37 or 57 miners. And so finally, what did they do? They constructed a steel cage, drilled down to where those miners were, and let that cage in. And then one by one, that cage brought those miners out to the surface. You say, Pastor, what does that have to do with what we're talking about? If you are in a bottleless pit right now, As believers, we have an expectation that God is going to do a miracle. You, however, need to understand how he does that miracle. He's not just going to wave a wand and bang, you're well. What God is going to do is let down into your bottom spit the ladder of the promises of his word. And the way you and I will climb out of that pit is trusting God on the basis of his promises. Climbing each promise one rung of ladder at a time. So you read the promise. Thank you, Jesus. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I believe it. Praise God. You've climbed one rung. I will deliver you when you're in trouble. You, you believe that? You climb the second rung. And finally, you're going to come out on the surface into his light. So he gives you the ladder. You do the climbing. He's not going to climb for you. He's not going to climb for you. His job, his role to give you the escape channel. And your role and my role is to climb up and come to the surface. Amen? So we're closing now. This is the first installment. We're going to have many more weeks. There's more, much more information coming. But this is just scratching the surface. There's much more to come. But just remember this. You're not alone. It's not your fault. He sees you and he's with you. And his word is able to bring you out. Amen? And so, Father, we just want to thank you right now. We thank you for our time. We thank you for your word that's come to us. We thank you, Father God, as we empathize with our brothers and sisters, whoever they may be, wherever they may be, who's struggling in this bottomless pit, even right now as we speak. We speak life to them. We speak light to them. We say, Father God, in Jesus' name, that they will not drown in the sea of despair, but rather, God, they will open their eyes and behold the wonderful word from your promises. And they begin to embrace the promises of the word of God and begin to climb out. And so, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your faithfulness, your loving kindness. 
We bless your name because your name is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God that healeth us. We receive the healing power of the Lord Jesus right now in the name of Jesus. Whatever the condition is, we bring those conditions to the bottom of the cross. And we say, Jesus, you pay the price in full for healing our wholeness. And so, Lord, we thank you right now. We are no longer in bondage to any disorder whatsoever. We embrace you. We thank you. We bless you for your faithfulness. Now and forever. In Jesus' name. And don't forget, we have resources for you on the website, walkfanusa.org, W-O-C-F-A-N-U-S-A.org. Go there and avail yourself of those materials. And until we see you again, God bless you. In Jesus' name. Amen.